1: well welcome back to the equip you grace podcast my name is Dave and I'm the host for this show and with me today is my friend and our brother in Christ Jonathan Gibson welcome to the welcome back to the show brother
0: thanks for having me on David good to be with you again
1: yeah good to be with you um can you uh briefly catch us up on what's happening in your life marriage ministry and what ministry projects you're working on
0: uh well still married thankfully that's a good thing. um yeah uh children growing up fast um Ben's 11, and Zach and Hannah are 4 and 3. And uh, I've just been busy working away here at Westminster Theological Seminary in Philadelphia, lecturing during semesters and writing books in between and preaching. I preach about once a month somewhere, local or interstate. And um, yeah, so being kept busy, That's ha- good. We're we're happy, we're in a good place, yeah.
1: That's awesome, brother. Well, you have this new book that's coming out here, I think, next week, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, A Liturgy for Daily Worship from Advent to Epiphany. Uh, tell us a little bit about why you wrote it and how you hope it'll be received.
0: Uh, so for those listeners you might be familiar with, the other first devotional I did, Be Thou My Vision, A Liturgy for Daily Worship, where I had tried to enrich my own quiet time uh, for my daily devotions. Uh, by adding in some extra elements that we maybe wouldn't normally think of, like prayers of confession of sin and adoration and illumination and intercession from people in church history, creeds, catechisms, things like that. Um, uh, That book was well received. And so uh, Justin Taylor at Crossway asked me, would I consider doing another one? And I had already given some thought to it and sort of connected to the time I find my own quiet times going a bit dry and um, not getting much from them. I had also reflected on how at Christmas time and Easter time, I normally get to Christmas Day and think, ah, oh, I haven't really spent time preparing for this spiritually or meditating on the incarnation of our Lord. And all of a sudden it's there and Christmas Day comes and goes and it's over. And it's certainly in my culture in the UK. And I think even more so here, having lived in America for seven years, you know, boxing day, Christmas is done, you know, in the UK, we still have a few more days, but I've, I've noticed here in America, it's, it's done on Christmas day or on boxing day. And so, you know, if you don't prepare for it beforehand, it comes and it goes so quickly. So I wanted to do something that was a bit more reflective, meditative, Uh, orderly, uh, mystery-evoking, and ultimately worshipful in the lead-up to Christmas and Christmas, and also the days after Christmas. I've since read up on the tradition of observing Christmas, and I've seen that it really does go on for the two weeks after Christmas up to Epiphany, Hmm. which marks the appearing of Christ to the Gentiles when the Magi come. Hmm. So, I thought, why not do a similar liturgy to Be Thou My Vision, but orientate it toward um, Christmas? And so this is an Advent liturgy for 40 days beginning on November 28th that prepares you for Christmas. The Bible readings are Old Testament readings prophesying the coming of Christ one chapter a day from different parts of the Old Testament. On about December 22nd, we start the nativity readings of the angel appearing to Mary, etc. And then obviously the nativity readings through Christmas Day and beyond. And then leading up into the epiphany readings being when the shepherds come to see Christ and the magi come to see Christ. So it's been deliberately structured to help us. Uh, meditate more purposefully on the coming of our Lord in the Advent season and at Christmas.
1: Yeah, that's that's really good, brother. And and uh, be that my vision, it was very well received. I have recommended that book uh, to many people and they've come back and said, I've already read that. And uh, my wife and I went through it and uh, I've read it before, you know, we talked and I thought it was really good and look forward to going over it with my wife as well. Uh, to prepare for Christmas for exactly the same reasons as you said. So I think that'll be uh, really good. Um, So we're we're both excited. I'm excited to go through it again. She's excited to go through it. And so uh, that's very good. Well, um, what are the elements of each daily liturgy in Ocom, Ocom manual, And how did you choose them?
0: Yeah, so with Be Thou My Vision, there were some basic elements of a call to worship, adoration, reading of the law, confession of sin, assurance of forgiveness, a creed, a catechism question, a creed, then the Gloria Patri, then a catechism question, then prayer of illumination, scripture reading, prayer of intercession, and end with the Lord's Prayer. That basic structure is still there in this Advent Christmas liturgy, but I've enriched it a bit more the day begins with a meditation from someone in church history reflecting on the incarnation, the mystery of the incarnation. So, for example, on December 1st, I start with a quote by Augustine. Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain and thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey." That the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher might be bitten, beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. So just a short few sentences by someone in church history to orientate our minds towards the mystery of God manifested in the flesh, as Paul describes it to Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. Uh, Then after that, it follows the normal pattern. But the new elements are the prayer of adoration has been replaced with a hymn, uh, an Advent hymn, and then Christmas carols around Christmas. Um, The other element that I've added in is after the Bible reading, um, there's a praise element. This takes the form of the Magnificat, or the Benedictus, or the Nunct Dimittis. These are all scriptural passages that have become sung chants or prayers in the church. And so I, I put them in. You don't sing those, you just read those. Uh, but I've also put some hymns in there, the Corde Natus of the Father's Love Begotten, uh, Einest Rosent Sprungen, the Low Higher Rose air Blooming. I've put in some hymns like this, after the scripture reading as a way of sort of responding in praise to God for the gift of his son that we read about in the prophecies of the Old Testament and then in the nativity readings. Um, they're there as well. And then it ends with a benediction and a postlude. The postlude uh, being his name forever shall endure, three stanzas from Psalm 72 and um that you're encouraged to sing or say that as the closing postlude. So it's a bit richer in praise elements, this one, compared to Be Thou My Vision. And again, the reason for that is it's it's a change of season. It's Christmas. We've even more reason to be praising God and singing at this time. So that's what I've tried to
1: do. With, that's, um, that's really good, brother. Is there is there a certain setting or time of day that you recommend readers read each devotional? I mean, I just think we're all um, wired differently and we have
0: different work pressures, different careers, different family commitments. I do my devotions uh, of Be Thou My Vision in the morning. I don't do it as the first thing I do because I've got little kids in the house and it's hard to find a moment. So I get to work and either before I do my first lecture or straight after my first lecture, I have my quiet time. Um, so that that's been my routine as a family. We do our evening family devotions after dinner. It's when we do the family worship time. It's short, five, 10 minutes. And I don't use Be Thou My Vision as such, but we'll we'll recite the Apostles' Creed. We'll say the Lord's Prayer. We'll sing the Gloria Patri most nights Um after doing a bit of a bible reading from we're going through mark's gospel at the moment so that's what we do i I don't have any rules or principles uh i just think each person needs to work out what they do sorry my principle would be get it done early for your own personal worship time with the lord get it done early because if you don't everything else in the day is going to get in the way but as i say i'm some people can get up at 5.30 in the morning before the kids are up and God bless them. That's, <laughs> that's not me. <laughs>
1: yeah. Some, uh, you know, some Christians aren't familiar with the traditional liturgical practices. Can you briefly explain why they're so beneficial to the body of Christ?
0: Yeah, I think the scriptures give us set liturgy. We've got the Psalms, which is a hymn book, and... um you see, you think about how many people are used to saying or reading the Psalms as prayers for themselves. Jesus taught us how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. So I think you find in the scriptures there are set forms of prayers and songs. Um, some of the early creedal forms, they think, are in Paul's letters about, you know, Christ being the head over all things. Colossians 1, 15 to 20, Ephesians 1. These, they think, were probably early creedal forms of early Christians. Um, So that's there in the Bible. And I think it's there because as as fallen people, we're forgetful, we're ill-disciplined, and we don't know how to pray sometimes, and we need help. We need structure in our lives to give us that discipline, to do it regularly. And then when we do do it, we need content Because it's hard every day to just make up your own quiet time with the Lord, you know. You just decide randomly each day which Bible passage you're going to read, and then you just start praying extemporaneous prayers. And I think that's one of the reasons our quiet times suffer, is because it's too dependent on ourselves being creative. But I think A good liturgy gives you the structure. It gives you the routine every day because there's day one, there's day two. You don't want to miss a day. So there's that good aspect to it that helps with discipline. But then when you do come to do it and you're feeling like you have an empty tank and you're like, I don't really know what to praise God for today. Well, here's a call to worship written down already for you, you know, and then here's a prayer of adoration or a hymn. Of adoration, in response to that call to worship, then, then it sort of gets you going, you know. And sometimes we're like, "Well, I, I, I don't know what to confess for my sins," uh, and but sometimes a set prayer of confession, like, "Okay, I, I can confess my thoughts, my words, my deeds. I can ask for forgiveness for all of those things." So I think the content just helps us when we our mind's a bit blank or distracted it gives us good focus and helps us to be more purposeful in the way that we pray
1: mm, that's really good you know many christmas devotionals they begin with advent they end on christmas day why was it important for you to continue these devotions into the new year
0: well this was um, doing a wee bit of research into the history of observing christmas and i noticed in the reform tradition i'm a presbyterian in the reform tradition um my denomination subscribes to the Westminster Confession and to the three forms of unity. So we have a more continental feel to our denomination. And um, in that continental tradition with uh, Zwingli, Bullinger in Zurich, with uh, Ursinus in Heidelberg, with um, Dutch Reformed Church in the Netherlands, with the Canons of Dort, places like this, significant reform centers, And key people like Martin Butzer, Francis Turretin, during the Reformation, post-Reformation era, they all observed Christmas, and not just Christmas, um, circumcision of Christ, 1st of January, one week after he was circumcised. And then Epiphany, the 6th of January, traditionally, um, where it is the appearing of Christ to the Gentiles. And I just thought, wow. So they actually kept meditating about the early days of Christ's life after Christmas. And it's sort of, if you think about it, a bit weird that we would stop that on Boxing Day or the week after and go back to our normal sermon series, the next Lord's Day, when actually the babe is lying in the manger. <laughs> the The mystery is now manifest to us, God in the flesh. But we're like, yeah, okay, let, let's move on now. To, to, let's go back to, you know, our series in Exodus or whatever. And so I, I, I'm I, trying to change my life and my family routine around mm. Christmas this year. It will be very different. I think I'm, we're going to make a big deal about keeping Christmas going as a atmosphere and as a time to meditate on Christ all the way up to Epiphany. Mm. Because... Um, I think it's just two more weeks of meditating on the great gift of God's Son to us. And so what I've done in this liturgy is, come Christmas Day, some of the praise elements after the Bible readings change or new elements are brought in. So the Gloria in Excelsis is said after Christ is born on Christmas Day. Um, I changed the verses out of the Cordae Natas Um, um, of the Father's love begotten to some of the more praise oriented parts of that old ancient hymn, and uh, let all mortal flesh keep silent. God has descended, you know. Um, I've put that in as a new hymn in that two-week period after Christmas. So I'm trying to say, look, something's changed, right? You know, we're now observing that Christ has come. We were waiting for him to come in Advent season, meditating upon the waiting and the anticipation of the Old Testament saints, waiting for his coming. And now he has come. What do we do? Well, we also respond to that, the child lying in a manger. Uh, we, we come and worship him uh, in, by faith as we reflect on his incarnation. And so I think it's really helpful to have a time after Christmas to keep meditating. But it's it's a discipline because our culture, you know, gets rid of all the Christmas trees and the lights the week after Christmas.
1: But I think it would be a good thing for us as Christians to keep thinking upon it. Amen. Yeah, that's, that, that makes a lot of sense. Do you recommend these liturgies for new Christians or those without a Christian background? Um, I would recommend
0: it for evangelism. Um, Mike Horton from Westminster, California, actually says, as he endorsed the book, he said, uh, I will be buying a bunch of these and giving them away to family and friends who I want to evangelize. Because, you know, there's a lot of people out there who aren't believers. They're not born again, but they go to church or they feel some sort of association with Christianity. Um, but this is a nice Gift. I have a Roman Catholic neighbor who used to live beside us, and I gave her Be Thou My Vision. And she said, oh, I love this kind of stuff. You know, thank you. I, I, I'll i use this. Now, little did she know she's going to start praying Protestant prayers, you know, by, <laughs> Be Thou My Vision. And there's not a bit of Mary in there at all. But you never know how the Lord could work through some of the Bible readings and the prayers that they actually orientate her towards a more evangelical faith. So I would say don't be shy in buying it and giving it to a a friend. Everybody loves Christmas. Nobody's going to be offended by a Christmas liturgy that you give them. Um, But for new Christians, yes, it'll certainly be new for them. And if they're from a more free evangelical church setting the idea of liturgy might be foreign to them they may think it's only for catholics or anglicans um but i think that they um could find it helpful and put them on a good diet and a good structure for their quiet times moving forward yeah it's a bit like um it's a bit like taking a cold shower you know um some of this at first at first you're like i'm not used to that. And I wasn't either. But uh, in the last two years of my devotional life, it's never been more disciplined. Still have days where I miss reading and praying, but it's been more disciplined in the last two years than it has been for decades. Mm, That's awesome,
1: brother. Yeah, there's a lot that we could really talk about about this whole topic, brother. And can you give us just a few takeaways as we wrap up our time together?
0: Um, You know, It's important to walk closely with the Lord. Um, That's an important thing to do, but don't beat yourself up if you don't get your quiet time in one day. Um, The person who kept their devotional life intimate with the Lord and perfect was Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, We read about him getting up early in the morning to go and pray in quiet desert places. Uh, He was the one who walked perfectly as a a true worshipper on earth. Um, And uh, so our righteousness, our justification is in him. But having been united to him by faith, you know, we're called on to to have a lively faith uh, and um, to exhibit genuine love for God. And how's that going to happen unless we actually spend time with him in his word each day and praying to him and responding in praises? Um, so that would be my encouragement. It doesn't have to be Be thy My Vision or O Come, O manual. Just find a devotional that works for you and um, try and do it each day. Um, but, you know, if you're struggling with what to do, then here's an option for giving you some more structure and discipline and uh, rhythm as well. Rhythms are a good thing. And then. I would encourage people to think about can we do something like this as a family or as a married couple in our home we eat dinner and then after dinner at the minute we read a little paragraph from mark's gospel sometimes it's just four verses depending on how the paragraphs are divided and we'll just talk about it for a minute or two with the children and then we recite the apostles creed because we want our young children at the minute, Zach and Hannah, four and three, that when they're in church and the Apostles' Creed is being said, they can start participating in that. So we're doing that. We sing the Gloria Patri, and then we say the Lord's Prayer, and we say some other prayers together. So we keep it simple, practical. We don't try to pack too much in. And... um yeah, so I find it a helpful time to be discipling the children and trying to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. So I'd encourage families, if you don't have a time in the day that you do family worship, to maybe consider trying to do something like that. And again, it doesn't have to be every day of the week. I uh, don't want to be legalistic about it. We, we manage it, I think, well, four days of the week, Monday to Thursday. Friday night's a bit different. Saturday... It's hard to get everyone together. And Sundays, it's the Lord's Day when we worship together anyway. So, you know, I think
1: be practical as well about it. Yeah, that's good advice, brother. Well, um, guys, we've been talking today with our friend and brother in Christ, Jonathan Gibson, about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, a liturgy for daily worship from Advent to Epiphany. Uh, this is a fantastic uh, worship guide manual, if you will, um, to help you. Uh, as you prepare for the Advent season and beyond, uh, so I want to encourage you to pick this up, especially if you've already enjoyed "Be Thou My Vision." If you haven't, you need to rectify that like immediately. So go do that and get this, and then um, get get some get some of uh, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" and hand it out, like Jonathan said, to your family and friends, and even those who aren't Christians. So maybe your neighbors and uh, brother. Thank you so much for your time. And may God continue to bless you. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, ServantsOfGrace.org.